We hope you enjoy this message recorded at Equipus Church, Dunedin. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com. It's good to be in church, isn't it? Man, how cool was it to hear young people talking about God speaking to them? It's so exciting, and uh, what a huge effort to get to Topo and back. Uh, and to be in church on Sunday morning, I know um, I text my wife, Chrissy, because we had our two oldest kids are both uh, teenagers, so they were there at Summer River, and I texted my wife, Chrissy, this morning and just said, uh, oh, I hope, you know, just just landed, hope everything's going all right and home, and she said that she's kept waking Elliot, he's 13, she's kept, she'd woken him up six times already this morning, and he kept going back to sleep, so he definitely got a lot out of Summer Revolution, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I know he was in the river swimming at 1 a.m. on one of the nights when the police asked them all to go back to the camp. So, yeah. So fortunately, I'm no longer responsible for the summer revolution. And, uh, but it's so exciting to hear year on year what God's doing. Amen? Yeah. I think it's interesting, isn't it? Like, I know for me, I like summer revolution was my idea, just, when was, just so you know. It was my idea. I was like, let's do, let's make summer camp a bit bigger. Let's bring everyone together so that the teenagers from different churches around the country are meeting each other, connecting, beginning to believe together for our whole nation to see Jesus, right? To know Jesus. And, um, and you know, so it's real interesting year on year, you know, so years and years ago, we have the idea, but just seeing, hey, every year God's moving, God speaks, you got more young people making decisions to follow Jesus, young people making decisions to commit their life to extending the kingdom of God, uh, to go to university and study something and change the world. I reckon those are all really important decisions, aren't they? But you know what's funny is once you're not young anymore, there's us, I was just talking to Jake, and uh, I was explaining to him that my beard makes me look older, which is okay because I am now older. It's not the fact that my beard makes me look older. It's just the reality, isn't it? You know, once you're 42, it can be, you can forget that it's still about making those decisions. Isn't it? Life's still about saying, hey, I'm going to believe for something different. I'm going to believe for something more. I'm going, to, I'm going to push out and believe God could do something great in my world and through me that God could use me, right? How many of you know that the only thing that makes that harder is all of the mistakes that we've made? Okay, yeah. Anybody? You know, it's all the things that didn't work, right? You know? Which is what? Roughly all the things. Roughly speaking, every single thing has worked out at least different than what we expected, right? And that's the nature of a journey, isn't it? That there's always another corner, right? And you're always in your mind, you're like, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure we're getting near the top of the hill. Anyone been tramping? And you're like, okay, I can sort of see the shape of the hill through the trees, right? How many know that that's just a lie? When you, and when you're walking, I don't know about you, but when you're walking um, or you're going for a long run or something like that, or you're on, a, on some sort of, even a drive, car drive, children talking, asking, are we there yet? Are we there yet? I need to stop for the toilet, you know, again. Uh, do you know what? One of the tricks I reckon is most important is to tell yourself that you're going to be driving the car with whining children forever. Literally forever. If you can convince yourself that you're going to be doing this forever, after a mere 10 hours when you get to get out of the car, you're like, wow, that was so quick. (laughs) And you know, in life, one of the challenges is we've got to tell ourselves, no, I'm going to keep taking steps forward. 
I'm going to keep taking steps uphill. I'm going to keep taking steps around corners. I'm going to keep believing for positive outcomes. I'm going to keep believing that God knows what's best for me, right? I'm going to keep believing this forever, right? And then one day you'll die and you're like, wow, that was quick. Here I am in heaven. That was quicker than I thought, right? Because we're going to keep believing God forever. Amen? Amen? Okay, amen? It's way better if we all say amen, right? If you don't agree, say, no, you're wrong. You're an idiot, Jordan. No, don't do that. Just email me. Just email me. My email address is w.levy at equipperschurch.com. If you email me with any complaints, I'm sure that um, I'll do something about it. <laughs> Amen. Um, grab your Bibles, and we're gonna we're gonna read two pieces of the Bible um, specifically, and we'll make casual reference to other bits of it as we go. Is that all right? Uh, how many people have started their Bible reading plan for the year? Show of hands, quick show of hands. One, two, three, four. Oh, a lot of us, a lot of us, right? I, generally speaking, I start a great Bible reading plan that usually lasts me till about somewhere between the worst is March and the best is September. Uh, how many people are like me? Start the year strong. Anyone on a running, I'm running again. Anybody else start the year strong? Do you know there's something, sometimes we say, oh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to start it again because I keep failing, right? Imagine, imagine, imagine if that was actually the approach you really took to life. What would you ever have done? Hey, oh, I'm not going to learn my time stamp. I'm not going to learn how to spell. I'm not going to learn how to read. It's quite hard. Right, all of these things that we've, that everything we know, we failed at, Right. You know, so we just go, like, how many people are too scared to start a Bible reading plan? Don't put your hands up because it might be embarrassing. But some people are too scared to start a Bible reading plan because, oh, I'll only make it till March. But if you don't start, you won't do any Bible reading. Imagine reading the Bible from now till March every day. That's better than last year, isn't it? Well, so why wouldn't you start? Well, I might only make it one week. That's a, that would be a great week, wouldn't it? Oh, I'm going to eat better for the rest of the year, Right. Do that till March, right? At least you ate better for three months, right? Then pull yourself together as quick as you can and eat better for the rest of the year. And you'll, you know, so then you'll do another couple of months, right? Why? Because you've got to keep, we've got to keep pushing. We've got to keep stretching out. Oh, wouldn't it be easier just to go with the flow? It would be much easier in the short term. But the easiest way to hard life is the easy way. I'll say that again because that was beautiful. The easiest way, the easiest way to a hard life is the easy way, right? The hardest way to an easy life is the hard way. I'm confused myself. But the reality is, the reality is if we're going to pursue something, if we're going to ascend, we need to take uphill steps. Like this is, that's logic, pure logic. If we're going to go uphill, we need to go uphill, right? If we, if we want things to go down, you know, how many of you know if things go downhill, right? That's when it's easier for things to go downhill than for things to go uphill, right? It's a conscious decision that we need to make to step uphill, right? How many people know that 2018 is going to work out different than you think right now? Right? Here's some more, here's some more basic, basic logic. This is reality for you. This could be the worst year of your life so far. How many people are glad you came to church Sunday morning? Hey, encouragement from the preacher. But no, how many of that's true? This could, this could be the worst year of your life. This could be the most challenging year you've ever had. And do you know what? It could be God's plan for this to be the hardest year you've ever had. How many people know that Noah had hard years, David had hard years, Paul had hard years, Jesus had a pretty hard year 
that last one was tough. Right? All of these are God's plan for these people, right? But whether it's the best year you've ever had or the worst year you've ever had, the number one thing you're going to need is faith. If it all works out, sunshine and roses, well, God bless you. You'll be one of the unique few, right? The rest of us are going to live in reality where it takes effort, it takes faith, it takes courage to keep taking, making the right decisions and keep moving forward in life. Right? And if it's going to take courage, if it's going to take faith, let's build an atmosphere of faith in our hearts at the start of the year because we know one thing we do know is this year we'll need faith. This year, a challenge will come to us where we've got to believe God and hold on for something better, hold on for some breakthrough in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I don't know. The problem for me is I actually live in the real world. Anybody else? The, the challenge sometimes is our Christianity is in, lives on Mars and the rest of us lives in, on Earth. I think we've just got to bring our Christianity into the real world that says, hey, life, my, my grandfather used to say, effluent occurs. Right? <laughs> Things happen, right? Where we're going to need, we're going to need something stronger we're going to need something stronger than water to get us through, right? We need faith. We need the Spirit of God inspiring us. We need a hold of the grace of God in what we're doing. Amen? I was talking in the car with Ryan. I'm, I'm, I'm ranting now. You've got me ranting. One of my friends, he's, he, he, he met a girl at Shout Conference, a French girl, good looking, all that sort of stuff, that the, all the things you're after, good looking, hard after God, those things. Um, and he met her at Shout a few years ago, and then she went back to France to finish her studies, and he's been working away in Wellington, and they've been chatting online, right? Because it's a man with a plan, right? But, but this year, he's flown off to France to meet the family and, you know, all that sort of stuff. He's hoping to get engaged. Don't tell anyone. Uh, <laughs> right? And he, he's off on this journey. How many of you know that takes faith? It takes faith to push out and build a relationship with somebody, to take risks. and It takes faith to invite somebody out. It takes faith to start a new job, to extend a new venture. It takes faith to keep your business going. It takes faith to keep turning up at work and bringing your best self to it. It takes faith to finish an assignment, right? Whatever's going to happen this year, you know, the one thing we know for sure is we're going to need faith. Amen. Okay, let's read about Abraham because he's the captain of faith, right? He's, the better word is father of faith, but I, I just changed it there to captain. Uh, anyway, we'll call him the father of faith because that's what he's been known as throughout church history. Uh, I'm going to read from Genesis chapter 12. I did, did I tell you that already? Uh, so Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. If, you've got a, if, you, if you haven't got time to find it, you just have to trust that I'm reading the actual Bible here. Uh, here it says this. It says, the, the Lord told Abraham... Uh, Leave your country, your relatives, and your father's house, and go to the land that I will show you. I will cause you to become, sorry, I'll cause you to become the father of a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. I will make you a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran, and he took his wife Sarai and his nephew Lot and all his wealth, his livestock and all the people who had joined his household at Haran. 
And finally, they arrived in Canaan. Traveling through Canaan, they came to a place near Shechem, and they set up camp beside the oak at Morah. At that time, the area was inhabited, inhabited by Canaanites. Then the Lord appeared to Abram, and he said, I'm going to give you this land to your offspring. And Abraham built an altar there to commemorate the Lord's visit. After that, Abraham traveled southward and he set up camp in the hill country between Bethel in the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and worshiped the Lord. Abraham traveled south by stages towards the Negev. It's an awesome story, right? This is, this is very historical. This is a very old story. This guy, Abraham, who was originally lived in a place called Ur, of the, he was a Chaldean, uh, it's in modern, on a modern-day map, it's really close to the capital of Iraq, really close to Baghdad, right? Uh, Ur of the Chaldees is right there, and it's on the Tigris-Euphrates uh, rivers. And it's really, there's different ways you can count civilization, but, but the Chaldeans and Ur, it's sort of like the real beginnings of human civilization, there was, there was civilization in sub-Saharan Africa. There was civilization in uh, sort of uh, Pakistan, India, the Humrapan uh, sort of people were, started to build cities and stuff like that. But, but, but the, the Chaldeans were sort of the, they were the first real civilized, organized cities and towns and stuff. In fact, one of the things they invented, that they had to invent, was roads or, or streets in the town. They found a really old town that had no streets. I don't know if you can imagine how frustrating this would be. For instance, if I live next door to Micron and Micron lives next door to Ryan and I wanted to visit Ryan, I would need to walk through Micron's house. How many people know that, that would get weird after a very short space of time? And I don't know if you can imagine a world where streets haven't been invented yet. Right, And then you become part of this new civilization where we invent streets and now we're not walking through each other's houses. Houses aren't all just jumbled on top of each other. We've got them organized out in a grid-like pattern. We can move around them with ease and without embarrassing people who are in the middle of getting changed. Right? So this guy, Abraham, he lives in this civilization that was small. There was a few cities near the coast and then up the river, there were small towns. And beyond that, they knew nothing. There, there, was, there, was, there, was, there was stories and there was legends, but there was nobody, if they, if they were to travel like he was asked to do, he's traveling away from everybody who speaks his language or understands his laws, and he's traveling to a whole new people group that are going to have an entirely different understanding of language, ideas of the world, of how the world works, uh, a whole different idea of law and civilization and everything like that. And he's leaving all of civilization behind and he's traveling to this place that God's called a place I'll show you. <laughs> how many know that that's a, this is an interesting sort of an idea, right? So God says to Abraham, leave your home, leave your home, leave your father's house and your people and travel to another place. Uh, I don't know about you, this is a hard road trip to sell. Hey, we're going to go on a road trip to somewhere. Jump in the car, we're going to go somewhere. How long will it take? I don't know. Where are we going? I'll show you. Right, this is a tricky one to sell, right? 
I wouldn't try this on my children. When, when we're going on a road trip, there needs to be a destination and there needs to be pre-designated ice cream stops along the way before anyone's going to get into the vehicle. Right? It needs to be all mapped out, right? And, and so-and-so's in this seat because they've got a back seat and then middle seats, right? And so I'm, everyone knows that I'm in the back seat on the left until Topol, and then I'm in the front, in the middle seat on the right until Auckland, right? It's all mapped out before anyone will get into the car, right? But you know, in, in a journey of faith, you can't live like that. Because God comes to Abraham and God comes to you and He says, come on, leave what you know, all of it, and go on a journey to a place that I'll show you. Now, you've got to ask yourself, why doesn't God tell us where we're going? Is it because He doesn't know? Now, you know, let's get back to Theology 101. God knows, right? Let's, just, let's not debate that one. God knows, right? That's why here's the capital G. That means He knows, right? It, could it be that He's not telling us because where we're going and the context in which he wants to bring, the thing he wants to bring us into is actually bigger than our brain. Have you ever tried to explain something to someone and what you're trying to explain doesn't fit into their brain? <laughs> I recently witnessed a conversation between my nephew and his grandmother. My nephew is 14. And my son Ali is 13. They were there talking and they were saying this. Well, I'll message you on Instagram. Now, this is a concept that their grandmother could not quite come to terms with. She understood pigeons. She understands postcards, right? She can even do text messages, although some of them are hilarious. Right? But the two grandsons talking about missing each other on Instagram, and she said this, someone needs to explain to me Instagram. How do you know that this is going to be a fun conversation, right? Because it's not like pigeons. Like if you know pigeons, I can explain to you, I could explain to you a letter, right? Okay, so you put the message on a pigeon. So instead of putting on a pigeon, you give it to a person and the person takes the letter. Right? So you know something about what I'm talking about. But if we're going to explain social media to someone who has avoided it up till now, the reality is they don't have anything in their brain for you to hang Instagram on. It's like the thing is that what God was bringing Abraham to was so much bigger than where he was coming from. God couldn't just say to Abraham, it's like where you are, but it's painted blue. There's something in you that would prefer that from God. Some of us want God to come into our world and improve it. Like, like God, Chief, come into my three-bedroom bungalow and paint it. God's like, I would prefer you to come into streets paved with gold. No, I prefer the bungalow because I understand it and I, can, I, I just need it improved. And God's saying, I can't improve this bungalow into a celestial city. I need you to leave behind your limited mindset, your limited thinking, and come into something of the eternal. Now, you and I have both, we've all won arguments by claiming to be infinite. What me and Andrew have, right? 
So I can remember uh, arguments about uh, return of the Jedi cards. Yeah, I've got 100 return of the Jedi cards. I've got 150 return of the Jedi cards. I've got infinity return of the Jedi cards, right? I can run faster than you. I can run even faster than that. I can run infinity fast, right? Anybody else like me, you've won arguments by claiming infinity, right? The reality is this, infinity is only a concept to us. But for God, it's an experiential reality. We have, you have zero experience of infinity. Zero. Your ability to understand infinity is the same as my stepmother's ability to understand Instagram. <laughs> right? It's impossible. It's impossible for God to explain to you what he's going to do. So he just says this, come. Just the same as you say to your toddlers, come with us. Where are we going? To the shops. Right? You can't explain that the pantry's empty. Uh, we, we've got visitors coming on Wednesday. You, you could try, but there's no point because they're, what, they are going to have to just learn it as you go. And there's no way to learn it other than as you go. Have you ever had an actual job with a real boss? Like an old school boss where they don't give you instructions? They don't tell you where the tools are? Right? Any instructions that they do give you are probably a trick. Right? Well, God's like that. God's busy. He's really busy. He's God the Father, not God the Mother. He's not carefully telling you everything. (laughs) And He's not. God's not worried about whether you fall over and hurt yourself or break something. He's God the Father. He just wants it done. Let's get moving. Can we get moving, right? I don't really understand. Well, okay, let's go. Come on, let's go. Why? Because there's something so great God wants to get us to. And what it requires is us that we engage our heart with possibility. That we say, God, I know you're infinite and wonderful and I'm going to move towards what you say and I don't need you to explain it. As soon as you need God to explain it, He's going to have to make the dream small enough to fit inside your head. And he's not excited about something small enough to fit inside your head. Do you love reading your children bedtime stories? The plot's so intriguing, isn't it? I always wonder what will happen. Will there be an owl that squeaks, hoot, and will everyone run back to bed? I always wonder, will that happen? But every single night, the same thing happens at the end of the same story, right? God doesn't want to constantly just read us bedtime stories of faith. God wants to bring us into an intriguing journey where we, we push out and we actually take on real challenges, fight real giants, to destroy real dragons, believe for real breakthrough, right? But what we want is God to keep reading us our favourites. God, keep telling me just that you love me. God, keep telling me the story about how you saved me and we're going to go to heaven one day. God says, no, I would prefer you to come and walk into the kingdom of God with me, to fight in the kingdom with me, that, you, that we would grow into what God's calling us to. Amen? Imagine if God was trying, God, instead of just telling Abraham to get moving, imagine if God tried to explain what would happen. How long would Genesis chapter 12 be? Okay, well... Let me tell you what's going to happen. Well, there'll be this guy, uh, Jacob, and 12. So, like, how long is Genesis 12 going to be? 
Oh, and, and, and then there'll be Moses and the plagues, a bunch of plagues. I won't go to them now. But then uh, the, the, the promised land, which is the, that's the place I'm taking you now, but it's not, you're not going to stay there, right, because you're going to slavery. Like, how many of it gets really confusing before we even get to Moses? Right? And then, there's gonna, then eventually there's going to be King David. And what's a king? Well, it's a, it's a king rules a kingdom. What's a kingdom? Do they have streets as well? Because we have streets here. <laughs> yeah, they have streets. Yeah, and then they fight battles and they, and they collect taxes. Taxes? What's that, taxes? Right, by King David, it's completely impossible for, because what King David was, was a whole concept that Abraham didn't have any frame of reference for. Right, and then I'm going to incarnate myself into your bloodline in Jesus. What does incarnation mean? We don't know now. We don't know now what that means, right? And then the gospel is going to spread to all of the earth. What, like the whole, this whole valley? No, the whole earth. What, like right across to the other valley? No, the whole earth. Right, right across the Mediterranean? No, the whole earth, right? There are people today who want us to believe in a flat earth, right? This is crazy. This is crazy. <laughs> right? Why? Because every, <laughs> this, we've got to understand there's something more, right? Most important word in Christianity is more. There's something more than we currently experience of God. Amen? Okay. Now, let's get on with some points here. You know, so, it, it, Abraham's era, Genesis chapter 12, God calls out one person and then begins his whole plan, right? Acts chapter 2, God pours out his spirit on all flesh, sons and daughters, old people and young people. God speaks and begins his move through all people, right? So you've got this, so Acts chapter 2 is this explosion of the promise that began in Abraham, right? So, so, so God speaks to Abraham and says, hey, hey, leave this and begin, begin this journey with me to the unknown. And God speaks to all people now and says, hey, come into this relationship that will move you into something new, right? We don't experience God all together. We experience God individually, personally. Now, it's, when we come together, He chooses to manifest His presence among us in a special way, right? But who our experience of God is personal, right? You're not on a journey of faith unless you're on a journey of faith. Going to church is a great way to connect with faith and begin and be provoked into a journey of faith, right? But if you're just turning up at church, oh, can I be really honest with you? As your friend, can I tell you this? You're not necessarily going anywhere. You're only going, again, this is quite, this is, I don't know, this, I don't know if I need, you're only going somewhere if you're going somewhere. Right? If you're moving. If, you're, if, if I'm the same this year as I was last year, do you know what? That means I didn't go anywhere. Right? The only problem is this, is that you are going somewhere even as you sit still. You're moving east. Which way is east? So right now, you are moving east, but I'm staying where I am. Why? Because the world is rotating. <laughs> right? So right now, doing nothing, you'll move east. Now, 
Go back to the original beginning of the world, Garden of Eden. They get kicked out. Where were they sent? East. Where did Cain wander? Into the east. God calls Abraham and says, go west. Now, the reality is this, is you don't need to do anything to go west. Do you know, for me, I don't need to do, if I want to put on weight, do you know what I need to do? Nothing. I'll just, if I just eat whatever I want and do whatever I want, I will naturally grow just around here, though, weirdly. It's a strange thing. Right? But if I want to grow into a certain shape, otherwise known as a healthier shape, right, then I actually have to make steps to go west. If you're not moving west, you're sliding east. Unfortunately, the only thing that, uh, that Einstein was surest of, the thing he was surest of, is the second law of thermodynamics, which is that everything tends towards entropy. Without an injection of energy into the closed system of your life, you'll always tend towards decay. What do you need to do to make your car break down? Nothing. Just keep using it and it will break down. What do you need to do to stop your car breaking down? You have to service it regularly, right? What do you need to do to, to bring up a child who's disrespectful and rude? Just let them go. Let them go and they will become disrespectful and rude. What do you need to bring up a child who's a teenager that you're prepared to be with? Uh, you need to make steps moving sort of west, right? What do you need to do to have a terrible marriage? Just turn up at home, eat whatever's there, watch TV, and it will slide east, right? What do you need to do to have a good marriage? You don't have to do that much, but you have to do something, right? Because we're all sliding east. Everyone say, we're all sliding east. Let's take steps west. Everyone stand up. Take one step west, which I'm describing in this angular fashion, right? <laughs> right? Take one step west. And say, Come on, was that hard? But you just fought against the whole forces of the world. The whole world went that way and you went this way. Take another one. Can you feel the power? Some people are trapped. See, there's obstacles, right? This was accidental. There's obstacles. Sometimes you have to get over those obstacles, right? If, grab a seat, grab a seat. I think you get my point before we overdo it. Here's the reality. It's not a choice. You don't have a choice between living a life of faith or not living a life of faith. You have a choice between living a life and not living a life. That's your choice. Your choice is, am I going to be what I, what I could be? Am I going to be who God's called me? And for all of us, that's individual journeys that we're all on together, Right? But that's our choice. Are we going to just slide east or are we going to make some sort of effort? Empowered by the grace of God, enabled by His presence with us, surrounded by His love and encouraged by His people. Are we going to take steps west or are we going to slide east? Right? There's three C's. The middle one's tenuous, right? The, the first one and the third one were quality C words. And then I had to force the other one into a C word. Is that all right? Sorry about that. The first one is this. The first question you got to ask yourself is the question of control. Do you have to control the outcome? Do you have to be in control? Because if you have to be in control, you're not on a journey of faith. If you have to be in control of the outcome, I'll do this and this will be the outcome and I'll be in control. I'll feel powerful the whole time. 
right? Then you're what, that, the idea of you being in control destroys the element of faith. If we take Abraham as our faith picture, leave that and come to something I'll show you later, right? If you have to be in control, if you have to take, here's the, here's the thing. The reason you want to be in control is because you want to take credit for the outcome. How do you know? Because we're New Zealanders, we do everything backwards. If we were a normal, straightforward people, we'd just take credit and everyone could spot us as proud, right? But what we don't do, what we don't take credit, we, what we tend to do is when, when something goes really well, we sort of laugh it off. But when something goes badly, we take blame. If you have a bad year this year, will it be your fault? Maybe. But you're not in control. You're on a journey of faith. So if it's tough, whose fault is it? God's fault. It's God's fault. I'm following what, I'm doing what you said, God, right? And it's really tough. God's like, I know, I knew, I knew. This is an uphill bit. <laughs> this is terrible, God. I knew, I knew, I, I know, said God. It's terrible, isn't it? For you it is. If not for me, I'm infinite. I can just walk along without touching the ground, right? I didn't want to come this way. I know, that's why I didn't tell you about it before we left. But here, here, if you catch yourself taking all the blame all the time, it's because you're in control. If you can release the control, just follow God, then you can say to God, and then it's really bad, God, this is a terrible idea of yours. But it's even worse to have to tell yourself this is a terrible idea of yours, Jordan. I find it much, much easier just to blame God. Well, God, you told me to do this. You told me to be a pastor, and I'm not very good at it. And God's like, I know you're not very good at it. You're learning a lot, aren't you? I'm like, I wish I was learning a lot. It just feels hard. <laughs> you know, one of, the, one of the surest things times God ever spoke to me was, was in a praise and worship time at church on a Sunday, God told me, go to teacher's college, because I'm a, teacher's, te- a school teacher by training. That's why I'm so organized and very clear with my notes and stuff, right? <laughs> so God says, go to teacher's college and go right now, so mid-year intake. Go right now. So I started in two weeks. So I quit my job, went to teacher's college. Right? It was, the, it was the clearest time God's ever spoken to me was that. Go to teacher's college, right? About three months later, I was like, oh, flip. Now that I've started teacher's college, I can't really get married for like two years or more, right? I can't really, it's really hard to get married in your first year of studying. Right? Because you've got no money. Have you noticed this? You also don't know what you're doing with your study, or, you know, right? It's quite hard. And, and we, were, we were still really young. My parents had said to us, we couldn't get married till we were 21. Me and my, my current wife, Chrissy, we were going out. So I was like, oh, this puts a lot of pressure on our relationship. So we ended up having to break up. Because I don't know if you know this about biology. Once you're going out with someone, you have to get married at some point. Or else you're going to have to get married. Right? And you want to get married without having to get married, right? Just, that's just some tip for the young people here. Right? Yeah, it's really hard to go out with someone for two years. And le- I don't know, unless there's something special about you that's different to everybody else. But generally speaking, sparks fly, emotions run wild, one thing leads to another. Right? It's like, oh, we can't. We just can't carry on this relationship. We can't just keep going out forever. We need to, we need to break up for now. Right? And I can remember thinking, this is a terrible idea, God. Why did you tell me to go to teacher's college? Right? God's like, why? Oh, it's just because it's a really good thing. I want you to do this. Why didn't you tell me that oh, I'd have to break up with my girlfriend? Because then you wouldn't have done it. <laughs> right? So uh, whose fault was it that we had to break up? It was God's fault. 
He told me to do to go to Jesus College. He knew about biology. Did he? Do you think that God knows about how things work? Right. But it put me in a position where, I, I, in the journey, it was really tough. Right. But it didn't change what God had said, and it didn't change that He was leading me to something. Right. So I became a school teacher. Right. So school. I was trained for three and a half, three years, two and a half. I got finished early, but. Because I wanted to get married, so I was motivated. Anyway, um, so I trained for three years as a teacher back in the olden days before you had to have a degree. And then I taught for four years. And then Pastor Sam said, oh, why don't you come back to New Zealand from London? Why don't you look after the Bible college? So I felt like, yeah, that was a good next step. Right? And then after a year of teaching in the Bible college, uh, the youth pastor left the church. And so Pastor Sam said to me, hey, would you look after the youth, teenage youth program, young adults and stuff like that? Would you look after that until we find somebody else, right? And for some reason, it took seven years to find somebody else. <laughs> right? Until they, it took them a long time to find someone decent, right? So they, I just had, I just did it. The, um, and I can remember after being the youth pastor for about two years, it was an interesting time. I'd been the youth pastor for a bit. And it was at that moment that my teacher registration ran out, right? So I was like, oh. I can, remember being at, I can remember being at youth on a Friday night. There's 150 um, te- teenagers from all over Auckland and up in the upper theatre of the Mercury. And I can remember standing there and thinking, oh, oh, I just was thinking about the journey. I was thinking, man, why did I go to teacher's college? And because I thought I was going to be a school principal and change the world that way. And then I can remember just looking around the room and I felt the Holy Spirit just leading my thinking. And I just looked around the room and there was 150 high school students in the room from 18 different high schools. I was like, oh. See, this is why God has to say, come with me to a place I'll show you. Because God could say, go to teacher's college because I could understand that. Become a school teacher, maybe become a principal. But if God said, hey, I want to bring you into a position where you're going to have direct influence into 150 students who are then going to have influence into 18 high schools around Auckland, right? I couldn't have quite got that. Right? Imagine if you'd also said, and then you and Isaac Graham, I'll tell you who he is later, but you and Isaac Graham are going to start like a performing arts tour. Now, if God had said performing arts to me then, I would have said, no, thank you, right? You're going to start a performing arts tour and, and with hip-hop dancers. Now, if God had said hip-hop dancers to me, because I'm a legit bogan, right? From Paraparam, right? If God had said that, I'd be like, oh, I didn't get that. And you're going to travel up and down New Zealand teaching about anti-bullying. Now you've got to understand I'm a bogan and I've always been a passionate bully. <laughs> right? But we, but Revolution Tours and over 200 high schools every single year, we influence all these schools. Now part of my role is I'm here preaching in Dunedin. Right? I could just be teaching people to read in Standard 2, Right? But God couldn't explain this to me then because it didn't fit into my brain. Right, last year we spent four months, I was teaching at a Bible college in Denmark. Now God couldn't have told me, oh, and at one point you are teaching a Bible college. God couldn't have told me that in 1997 because I didn't know what Denmark was. Right, I knew what a Danish was. But here's the reality. Some of us are wanting God to explain something to us, but God just says, come, let's get moving. 
right? Because there's a journey of faith. And can I tell you this? Every single journey, every single step I've taken in a journey of faith has been unsure, but has been awesome. Has been difficult, but has been brilliant, right? If I had to control the whole journey, we wouldn't have got anywhere. If Here's the thing. When God spoke to me and said, go to Teachers College, which was really, was really a beginning point into the journey of ministry that I'm on right now, right? Imagine if I said, yeah, but I want to keep my job. So I want to work full time as an engineer and I want to go to Teachers College. How many people know that you can't go to Teachers College and still work full time as an engineer? You'd have to be brilliant to do that, right? What if, what if, what if Pastor Sam had said, yeah, come back from, come and lead the Bible college. And I said, yeah, can I do that? But can I do it from London? You can almost do that these days, but you couldn't do that in 2004. Every time that you have to take a step, if you're not cutting something off, you're not on a journey of faith. If something's not dying, nothing's coming to life. I'm sorry. Oh God, I want oh God, I want something new and awesome, but I really I really love this old crappy thing as well. Right, if you're gonna buy a new car, what do we mostly do? You need to sell the old one first, right? Or if it breaks down, you just have to park it in the backyard with a tarpaulin over it. But you know, a lot of us have got a backyard full of old cars that we should have cut loose. Some of us are still trying to drive the car that's broken down. Oh, I really like this. But hey, that's old. Let's cut some stuff loose. If we have to be in control, it's not a journey of faith. If we're not cutting something loose, it's not a journey of faith. And if we have to be certain, it's not a journey of faith. Amen? Are you inspired? Hands up if you're inspired. Hands up if you're not. Give me a wave if you're not. That's very uninspiring, Jordan. Give me a wave. I'll carry on for another 25 minutes till everyone's inspired. Have you know it's one thing to be inspired, it's another thing to take some steps. It's one thing to one thing to think, oh, I know God's got something good for me. It's another thing to actually engage faith. So right now, all I've been able to inspire in you is hope. Because I can't do faith. Because faith is evidence of what hope is in you. So in church, coming together is great because we can create an atmosphere where we begin to hope. Right? But the steps you've got to take are about leaving, cutting, and stepping towards what God's got for you. Right? That's faith. Abraham hearing God and knowing, hey, there's something big God's got for me. That's not faith. That's hope. That's inspiration, right? But faith faith is doing the training. Hoping to get into the team is one thing. We all hope to be in the All Blacks. We all hope to do this. We all hope to do that. But it's not hope that gets anyone anywhere. It's faith. And faith is where you take the step towards the thing that you hope for. And then you deal with the circumstances that come. And you canned all the reversals and the sidesteps and the ups and the downs of the journey. Planning it all out is not, it's not faith. 
Is there anything wrong with having a plan? No. But if you're trying to wait till everything's nailed down, you'll not get there. You'll not get there. You've got to take a step. And then you have to take another one. And the beautiful thing about steps is, you know, even if you take a wrong step, imagine if you took a wrong step. You know, a step is not that far. You know, you can undo a step quite easily. Oh, that was a bad step. Oh, I'll try there. That's better. Oh, that was a terrible step. Oh, the next one I'll... Do you know, when you take a wrong step, you can usually correct it in the very next step. But so often we take a wrong step and then we're like, oh, that was a wrong step. I'm in the wrong place now. The the track is over there and now I'm off the track. I'm going to die in the wilderness. But if you, if you step off the edge of the track or into a puddle, you, the next step, you're right. Hey, as long as you keep taking steps. Amen. Awesome. Okay, jump to your feet. Let's pray. Otherwise, you're going to be here all day. Awesome. God, we just thank you for your amazing presence that, that you surround us with as we gather. Lord, we so appreciate the people that have worked to create the space for us. We thank you for our leaders, Pastor Willie, Pastor Desiree. Lord, that the way they've led us into, into places of faith places of inspiration, places where you can move. But right now, this morning, I pray you just speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're our teacher. You're our guide. It's not up to the preacher, but it's up to you, God, to give us instruction, give us direction. Perhaps you're here this morning and maybe you've never made a decision to acknowledge Jesus. I want to give you that opportunity right now before I pray. For I want to pray for everybody, but before we do that, I want to give you an opportunity to respond if you're here. Maybe you've never made a decision to acknowledge Jesus or perhaps you did it, but it was, it was another you back in the day that made that decision. And today, maybe you're in church this morning, but you're actually far away from God. Acknowledging Jesus is about acknowledging Him as our Saviour, the fact that He died to pay the penalty for our sin, but it's also acknowledging the fact that He rose again from the dead and is King of kings and is Lord of lords. So He's not just a Saviour who loves us, He's also the, the ruler of all things. So when we acknowledge Jesus, we, we ask Him to forgive our sin and set us free, but we also choose to follow Him, make Him the boss of our life. So while everyone else has got their heads bowed and their eyes closed, I just want to pray for people who are wanting to acknowledge Jesus, either for the very first time or as a recommitment decision. If that's you, while everyone's got their heads bowed, they've got their eyes closed, wait, maybe you catch my eye, give me a wave. Shoot your hand up and say, yeah, that's me this morning. I'm acknowledging Jesus as my Saviour. I'm acknowledging Him as my Lord. I want to make Him part of my life. Uh, and then we're going to pray in just a second. So all you got to do is lift your hand, give me a wave. Once people have had a chance to respond, uh, then we're going to pray. So I haven't seen anybody's hand yet, but I might have missed it. If that's you, just make it real clear for me. Give me a wave and then we'll pray in just a second. I don't know if I've missed anyone or not. Someone. Make it clear. Awesome. I don't think I've seen anybody's hands, but if I did miss your hand, come and chat to me afterwards and I'll get, I'll get my eyes tested. Cool. Can we pray? How many people know it's real easy to hear a message like this? They go, oh yeah, it's true. Yeah, journey of faith, Abraham, other stuff. Yay. But it's actually, to put it into action is hard. And one of the reasons it's hard is because we think it's big. It's not big, it's important. Like doing the dishes is not big, it's just important. Right? You just have to do it. Right? And so like I was saying, it's, it's not hard. 
It's not hard to resist the whole swing of the world. You're just one step west. Right? And so I want you to close your eyes with me and I'm asking the Holy Spirit to inspire you with the step. What's the thing you need to do? Holy Spirit, we just pray you'd be our teacher right now. What's the instructions? Thank you for listening to this message recorded at Equipus Church Dunedin. We pray it blessed you. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com.